You're listening to the Mangroves to Mountains podcast, where we talk all things outdoors, hunting, fishing, paddling, camping, adventure travel, and more. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to Patreon and search up Jim Dusayas. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, tonight's episode is with Mark Harrison from Omnivore's Homestead and Quivers. His wife, Allison, joins us during the podcast for part of it too, so... I don't, if you're not familiar with Mark, he's he's an absolute riot. He's very active on social media, has uh, a lot of opinions. <laughs> really funny guy. I think you're going to really enjoy this. Check it out. There's actually a little bit of delay before the audio starts, so just give it around eight to ten seconds, and then the the, uh, the hijinks begin. Recording in progress. Oh boy, here we go. So now I'm gonna get my game face on right now. I'm getting my game face on. There's gonna All be right. no sw- there's gonna be no talking smack about other people. No nothing. <laughs> no, go feel free, man. No, I, the I, last need, pod- I need listeners. Be as crazy as you want to be. No, we deleted the last podcast I did because it was so crazy and outlandish. But I was high as a kite on airplane glue. Well, barge some. But yeah. So Mark Harrison from Omnivores, Quiver, and Homestead. Is it Quivers? Omnivores, Quivers, and Homestead. That's right. actually Omnivores, Homestead, and Quivers because we were Omnivores Homestead before we were Quiver Company. Oh, yeah. I, but, I even wrote that down. Sorry. I had a backwards. You, you took notes? Oh, of course. Look. You, you dork. <laughs> you have that. Dude, now I want to know what the notes say because, like, now I'm feeling like I'm kind of important. Like, I don't know how to tell you this one. Kind of big deal. Something here about the most important traditional archer on earth. Something, yeah. Just, you know. Okay, you so actually wrote that? you you want to tell us about uh, your business and your lifestyle no. there? Okay, no. all right. <laughs> You've been listening Dude, to Mangroves to Mountains podcast, Mark. Harrison. I am the worst person when it comes to talking about business. I just want to talk about fun things. Like, okay, you know, let's skip like, that section. I agree. Yeah, fun but stuff do, is just so better. It's like, but so, you do live. You do live near the woods, or not? I guess it's almost in the woods, right? On a on a big do, uh, public land area. I live in the woods. I can't say exactly where. A bunch of people still know, but I literally live in the middle of a wildlife management area. Like you walk out my backyard and everything is here. We've got pigs in the backyard. We've got deer in the backyard. We got tons of turkeys this year. I got crawdads. I got, cause we're, we're so close to the Gulf too. See, I'm slowly giving this away and people are going to get very upset if I give away where I'm at because no, don't other, do it. they don't want nobody else out here. The truth is like, I want everybody out here. So, but I'm not going to say, but yeah, I've, I've gone on strike for business. That's why I say, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about business. Like I said to you earlier, I'm filling my orders. I'm keeping my inventory up, but honestly, I am just having fun because we, we got knocked down with COVID for like two weeks. And like, I don't even want to get into that. I felt like crap. I was wiped out. Now that I'm feeling better, I just want to enjoy myself. I spent the entire day yesterday doing nothing but build crawfish traps all day long, just sitting there with music playing, listening to the podcast, and just sitting there stapling together crawfish traps. I spent all and day I, teaching uh, elementary school-age children. You can imagine how that my day went. You're doing but, something uh, wrong. Dude. It's it's not my fault you made bad life choices. <laughs> <laughs> it just I don't even one, know. 
it actually was okay. It's actually been pretty good. It's, we're in our second week of school so far. So, so far, so good. And none of the kids are on Zoom. They're all in person. So, um, oh, thank, thank God. Oh, my gosh. So Dude, much why better. Them build, since you're an art teacher, you could teach them to build crawfish traps in, like, a form of art. So that way you could take the traps. Do you, you guys have crawdads down there? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you do. Because you, you play in the Everglades all over. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, dude, I love them. I, I didn't know how much I love crawdads until, like, we ended up at this, what the heck is it called? I don't know, some, like, Louisiana, like, dinner place. Oh, hold on. Somebody's trying to actually call me. I didn't even know anybody could do that. All right, I hope we just totally didn't screw. Nope, we didn't screw the whole thing up. No, awesome. I think it's, yeah, it's still recording, too. So we're, we're good. So, yeah, so I didn't even know that crawdads even, I knew that crawdads were here, but I didn't know that they were actually good ones, like big, big ones. And we discovered them by, actually a friend told me about them in here, but I didn't even know I liked to eat them until I went to this restaurant. I thought it was like the greatest thing in the world. And they were just like, oh, just get them right in your backyard. I'm like, what? So they, this guy showed me, you know, that they trap crawdads like right here, walking distance from my house oh my gosh so now i'm completely and totally addicted like today i hauled my traps we got probably overnight and some of the daytime we ended up with probably about four or five pounds of crawdads whoa yeah i saw that in one of your instagram posts crawdads that was pretty cool all right so me being dumb i didn't realize my phone is gonna die so let me go over to the charger now (laughs) Oh, dude, this I'm so cursed when it comes to all of these things. Like, it's not even funny. But uh, yeah, slacking with business—that's for darn sure. No well, you're still recovering. Sense. You're recovering, so you got an excuse. Well, I would say I'm most of the way recovered, but slacking. Yeah, right. I know Let a few families up. that everyone in the family got it, got COVID, and the the adult male in the family had it the worst. Like, they were the sickest of the family, and that was the same for you, right? Yeah, I just, well, you know, I was stupid. I was like running around because what happened was my road washed away in that last big storm that we had. So I ended up like out there like, I feel fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. And I just ended up working like an idiot and kicked my butt. But it's fine. You know, the only catch is, you know, we we got sick at the worst time. See, Jim from Centaur was supposed to come down. He was flying in for, uh, because Allison drew alligator tags and I drew alligator tags. Like, how the hell is it even possible? Like wow. we never yeah. draw. So, and we drew for our area too, which is crazy. Allison's like, why are we both going to put in? What if we both draw? I'm like, we're not going to both draw. Don't worry. Yeah. It we matter. both drew. Yeah. So we both drew. Jim was supposed to fly in for Allison's tags. We canceled. Like we feel like crap. So I said, you know, and then my tags came in a week later. I'm like, oh, Jim, come on. We'll change your flight. Come in a week later and we'll be fine week later i still felt like crap i told him so that's it dude close it up so we didn't even gator hunt the good news is is our tags become viable again on uh september 2nd so we're gonna get out we're gonna blow out allison's tags yeah because she has to be on the boat and getting a babysitter is not easy so we're gonna shoot the two gators with allison's tags first then i'm probably gonna go out and take like a 12 footer Hopefully somebody will come with me. I don't even know. So we haven't figured that part out yet, but I say I'm saving one tag for Jim who changed his flight to October 2nd. So we've got, hopefully is if everything goes well, four Gator tags that we're going to be filling in the next month. And, and explain who Jim is. Hmm. Not, not this Jim. Oh, sorry. Uh, Centaur Archery, uh, the guy that builds our longbows. Yes. Okay. 
And, he's and like three feet tall, like a three foot tall bodybuilder. I was gonna say like a muscular like, dude. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's this big. <laughs> Poor it, guy. Is, is it Neves? How do you pronounce his last name? Jim Neves. N e a v e s or something like that. Yeah, he he's my little dork. He builds my longbows. <laughs> but but ready for this i'm actually going to be doing a little bit of primitive possibly this year i'm not going to talk too much about it because we're not sure exactly who what when where or how but i've been shooting so damn good lately and i mean like insanely good that uh how do i explain it properly all right so we'll start from the beginning i make what's called a clicker tab you've seen it right yeah oh yeah Mm -hmm. the, the clicker tab putting the clicker almost like a sear inside of the tab because I got target panic. I fight target panic like crazy. I've used all the other, you know, target panic aids and they work and they help, but this is like the final step in my target panic. So I built this thing and a lights out like lights out is an understatement. Like you put me in a tournament, I'm going to win. And it got to the point that a few people had accused me of cheating because it works so well. And I'm like, yes, you know that you make a good product when you're accused of cheating. And I'm like, I, I, I said to the one guy when I caught him saying it, I'm like, can I get you to quote that? So that way I can put it on a t-shirt. So good. It's like cheating. It's like cheating. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I was going to have a t-shirt made. So long story short, I shoot a longbow with a hunting weight arrow, normally around 600 grains. So hunting rig, the bow weighs like a half a pound. And yet the tournaments are forcing me to shoot men's bare bow because there's, I know it's crazy. What? So Why? my bow, yeah, because they're saying that my clicker, the only thing that makes it a clicker is that I call it a clicker, that it's literally, it's not a clicker, but it's a clicker, but it's not, but it doesn't meet the guidelines to put you into that class. So they keep shoving me in this class. And the thing is, everybody's laughing like, oh, he's never going to win against all the Olympic recurve guys. Dude, I crush them every freaking time. I crush them with, with a hunting rig against these guys that are shooting like 25 pound, you know, bows with right. like 110 grain arrows. Not only that, I'm crushing the rest of all of the, uh, what's it called? Uh, all, all of the other groups are shooting the highest score. And it's, I'm just doing good. I'm not bragging. I'm doing really good. And I'm really happy about it. But the thing is, is I don't want to shoot in the men's bare bow class for competition because I'm not hanging out with my friends. You know what I mean? I'm hanging right. out with, yeah. no offense to the bare bow guys. They're, they're bow nerds. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm no shooting. Techie, techie guys. Yeah. They're, they're bow nerds. They're not they're, hunting yeah. with it. They're not trying to hunt with it. They're trying to get the flattest trajectory, which is cool. You know, they're just, they're target nerds. Yeah, it's so, not techy. It's more like gear, kind of the gear side of of traditional archery. Gear. I mean, it's cool. Like I said, it's yeah, just they're not. My, they're, yeah. they're not my people. You know what I mean? My right, people exactly. are shooting the hunting rigs and everything, so they wouldn't let me in in my men's longbow class. So I'm totally pissed. So I said, "Well, what if I'm shooting a primitive bow?" They're like, "Well, it doesn't matter if you're using that clicker tab. You have to shoot men's men's bare bow." So the game plan is: is I'm actually going to pick up a primitive bow with primitive arrows, self-knocks, the whole nine yards, all of this totally primitive, old-school stuff. But I'm going to go to a tournament, and I'm going to have them go, you have to shoot in men's bare bow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to win the whole tournament, shooting a primitive bow in a men's bare bow class just to be a total dick. (laughs) And whose bow bow is it going to be? 
I, we, you, know, oh, you don't know yet. You're not sure. We were talking. I'm not really sure what the game plan is yet, so I don't want to say too much about it. But oh, uh, yeah, no problem. I, I wanted to build one, but let's be honest, dude. Like my life is so crazy. Like I've never built a, a primitive bow. I know nothing about it. So like it'd be really cool to. One day I will, but this year I don't think so. So we got a couple people in mind that we're going to end up, you know, probably end up having them build one. But the thing is, too, I might suck at it. I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling really good because I could pick up just about any bow and shoot it pretty well with a little bit of time. But at the same time, I'm, like, super nervous. Like, I'm, like, talking smack. Like, I'm going to be awesome at it. And all of a sudden, I might pick this thing up and just shoot like crap. I don't think so. I think the fundamentals are the same, especially since you're cheating with a clicker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dude, it's totally not a clicker. Like, but I know I've seen it. It's not it's at all. It's a clicker, but it's not a clicker. Like, I have a clicker happens- on my bow, but I don't. You know, half the time I can't even make it sh- click. What's that? What are you shooting? A string clicker? I'm, like a a string clicker? Yeah, yeah. But like I said, not- I, it's more Dude, like a it mental. It's like a crutch. I don't actually. I pull it to where it's almost going to click. I can feel the tension on it, but I don't actually click it. So I have it set beyond my draw length. So I'm like, yeah. I'm feeling it about to go, but it's in my head. So because I've had target panic for 40 years so you're using uh, slow down is what you're doing but you're you're missing the point of the clicker like you have to have uh what's the discipline you if my my buddy matt i'm like you rack a discipline (laughs) like you have to have the discipline to say no i will not shoot this bow unless it clicks and the issue with the string clicker the string clicker is great it's it's absolutely amazing tool the issue that i have with it is the shoulder damage that my bow shoulders trash um the issue that i have with it is one day i'll be 27 and a half inches which is me flawless feeling good feeling strong for the day and then the next day you know i might be doing something stupid in the yard and working and be sore and i'm at 27 and a quarter inch for my full draw length i can't get that last quarter you know it's just no matter what i do so it was causing more problems it, it broke me you know, it, it's like a wild horse. It broke me like a wild horse, but I just still could never get comfortable with it. So I switched over to, what was it? The the handy clicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love you. Did you try the handy clicker? Yeah, I, I have one of those. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't get comfortable with it clicker. though. I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm better with the string clicker. What finger were you trying to activate it with? Um, it's been a couple of years. Uh, I think originally wanted to do it with my thumb, but, um, I can't oh, remember what I ended up settling that, on. That causes torque, though. Yeah. yeah so, you know, uh, Ron Rohrbau, he tells people to do it with uh, their top pointer finger by putting your whole hand. Oh, yeah, on the back of the bow. The yes. yeah. See, yeah, on the back of the bow. I couldn't do it with my pointer finger because I like to feel the bow, you know. So what I found is with the handy clicker, I would turn it upside down and I would use my ring finger and not even touch my pinky to the bow or anything like that. And I shot great with the handy clicker and it, it, it taught me the handy clicker taught me how to shoot properly. It also taught me at the same time that I can be very stupid and override and say, no, this isn't happening. So the handy clicker, it worked as long as I was focused and really truly understanding. Then I switched over to the RMS gear. The RMS gear was lights out. The RMS gear wouldn't go off if you were doing something wrong the issue i had with it was the florida slippage the it's the one that goes right there on the palm of your hand right Mm -hmm. stuck to the riser and as you increase pressure it would activate the issue was is if your hand position varied even a tiny bit 
you were screwed. Or if you're in Florida heat and that damn thing would slip, you were totally screwed. Mm-hmm. So I got really mad one day and literally for the 50th time, I threw my RMS gear one in the garbage. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm done with this thing. I'm never going to use this again. And I'm going to learn to shoot like a real man. And 20 <laughs> minutes later of shooting with target panic, I'd be digging that bad boy out of the garbage, but I never oh, really yeah. learned with it. But that's when I ended up doing the tab clicker, the, the tab clicker. It's like the best of everything, but the only reason why I really, really enjoy it, and I've noticed that a lot of people that use it had to go on that journey through going from the string to the handy clicker to a sear to an RMS and finally would end up at mine. The people that are trying to start from the beginning at mine don't have the tools or the understanding, the mental capabilities. So I spent a lot of time coaching a lot to help people get through it and everything. It's tough. I know Ron but, uh, that too. He'd, he'd like he'd answer people's emails or call them and um, all day every day. And you yeah, know, yeah, it's just because it doesn't work for everybody initially. But, um, and well, I shoot, it does I shoot work for gloves, everybody. So say that again. Sorry. It, it it does work for everybody. All these clickers work for everybody if they're mentally strong, and that's why I push uh, uh, Joel Turner. Yeah. W- without Joel Turner, you've, you've got, if you don't have the tools or the understanding in your brain and body on what to do, the clicker's worthless. Mm-hmm. You know, I get these guys that, you know, would, would order a, a tab clicker. They're like, I don't get it. It doesn't work. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? They're like, I pull my bow back and it doesn't go click. I'm like, oh my God, dude, like you're killing me. Like you got your steps, you got the sequence, you got this whole thing. And that's what I'm saying. You have to have the whole big picture to really understand how these clickers work, whether it's mine or anybody else's, but I got it. I, I got it down and I am, I am happy, dude. I mean, I drop bombs at 60 yards right now at the house. Like it's nothing and just two, wow. you know, I'm shooting six, six, seven inch groups at 60 yards at the house. That's amazing. What Tournaments. You- I get nervous. I get very, very nervous in a tournament, but you know, I, I've got so much dedication into my shooting sequence and using these tabs that I still pull it off. But I am never my best at a tournament. I'm my best at home and I'm my best in the woods. But I can still pull it off at the tournaments these days. Thank when God. you had when your when your when your uh, target panic was at its worst, could you still kill stuff? Were you still killing deer and hogs? And oh yeah, always. Me too, the, the issue yeah. was is I hit high. Every if yeah. you look at my early films, every single pig was hit high every mm-hmm. single deer was hit high because i wasn't i wasn't picking a spot i never even got to my proper draw i never shot below an animal i always shot above mm-hmm. that uh but it was it was getting to the point it wasn't fun anymore you know i really didn't enjoy myself at one point until i really learned and understand everything you know the funny thing is just all this target panic stuff i got really good at shooting a gun that's what's really funny. I sucked at a gun my whole life. Now, dude, I am really good. Like, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it makes look sense to be connected. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Joel Turner was, isn't he pretty much a gun? Isn't he a trainer for police with guns? Right? He was I a mean, firearms instructor. Firearms first, instructor yeah. I, I, I feel like, I quote, don't quote me on this, but I think he was something to do with military also. Um, military Maybe, training. Yeah. Mm hmm. His stuff is good. You know, it's, <laughs> this is probably not the best reference. Shot IQ is like AA. Take what you need and leave the rest. <laughs> People are like, did he just do an AA reference? I'm like, yeah, I did. 
but you know some of his stuff joel joel can be a little bit outlandish and hard to understand some of it because he's so advanced in some of the the shooting techniques and you know and shooting sequence that like beginners have a hard time following i i didn't understand a damn thing he was talking about now everything is clear to me mm-hmm. but take what you need leave the rest like he's getting crazy doing like internal psycho triggers and stuff nah i'm good just just give me something that goes and gives me a click <laughs> and i'm happy you need to develop one for uh for us old school guys that shoot with a glove <laughs> I'm Dude, you probably more. shoot something stupid like split finger too don't of you? of course i do <laughs> You see, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, what are you left-handed? Also, just make uh, no, the trio. No, no, not that bad. Uh, okay, oh, you're not that bad. You shoot split finger and a glove. Fred yeah. Bear called. He wants his antiques back. Okay. <laughs> I knew you'd love oh, that. Boy. Yeah, we're gonna talk smack about Fred Bear right now. Oh, no, boy. No. They've already tuned out. And when you, we start talking about Target Panic, so don't worry about oh. it. Yeah, but you know what? You say that, but you know how many people I know have target panic? Like, every The majority, yeah. yeah. Dude, you go to it, like, I was talking to somebody recently, and, uh, God, I can't remember who it was. I, I I feel like it was Kim Hammond. He actually just killed his first deer yesterday, too, by nice. the way. Awesome. But uh, I, th- I think it was Kim talking about going to an archery shoot and, like, the competition. He's like, I don't know. I'm very, very nervous. I'm not sure if I'm capable. I'm like, it is not what you think it is. Like when you get to an archery shoot, 75% of the people can't shoot worth a damn. Half of them can't even get to full draw. Half of them can't even hit the target at all. Like, you know, it's, it's not very intimidating. The cool thing is everybody's still having fun. But the one thing I've noticed since this whole target panic, you know, being out in the open, being talked about the AIDS coming out, I'm watching a lot of people shooting lights out recently. And I mean, like people that were just okay shooters in the past, I don't know what the hell is going on. These people are shooting freaking crazy. So, you know, they're stepping up the competition so hard. So I put more pressure on myself seeing them shoot better. I think it's really cool. Everybody really working at it and really learning to shoot a bow rather than just shooting and doing okay. These guys are learning and really stepping it up these days down here. And I guess with success, it makes you want to shoot more and that can only help in the woods. Oh yeah. It, confidence. You know, the, the yeah. biggest, the biggest deal with hunting is confidence. You know, that's why, that's why the clicker works for me so well. Like I could shoot clickerless at home, you know, without the tab thing. I, as long as I'm mentally focused, but the problem is you put a deer in front of me or you put a group of people standing behind me. I just get so excited and flustered that, you know, I can't hold it together. So I need that, that, mechanoreceptive trigger i think joel calls it the the clicker i need that to stop me and force me to go through my steps Mm -hmm. and by doing that i don't care what comes in front of me this year it's gonna die doesn't matter what it is i don't care what distances it's gonna die yeah that's a good feeling right it's the confidence it's it's the total confidence of knowing what you're capable of doing And, and you know the cool thing is i dropped weight this year too and that was the best decision i ever did was drop weight yeah, you could. Oh, you mean uh, draw weight? Yeah, I dropped to forty three pounds at twenty seven inches right now. Wow! And I'm, I'm loving it, dude. I'm feeling so much better for my style. You know, the amount that I shoot. You know, it's. Uh, I I was I've been hovering at about forty nine at twenty seven for years. Then I dropped to forty seven. Then I dropped to forty five, and just recently dropped to forty three. I feel like forty three. I should have been at my entire life. 
mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'd have less damage, less problems, but I could hold it. I could, you know, it's really cool. You ever watch, uh, what the hell is his name? Um, South Cox from Stalker yes. Stick Bows. Did you watch his films? Yes. South Cox. I've seen them all. Biggest, yeah. <clears throat> he's one of the biggest influences I have for my style of shooting. You know, the, the one film, what I love about his style and how, why it became mine is the one elk film. The elk is coming over the top of that ridge and you hear him. You don't see him and South is sitting there and you know this thing is about to peek over the ridge about 40 yards away and he comes to full draw. There ain't an animal in sight. <laughs> there's, there's, they're nowhere in sight, but yet he comes to full draw because he knows that he's comfortable. He's locked in and that back tension is very, very solid. I don't know what his draw weight is, but when I watch the animal coming down the hill and him holding that bow for about a minute, minute and a half, and then finally just going, okay, here's the moment. And he pulls through a shot and, and whacks this thing and said, that's wow. what I, because like hogs for me, a hog is a very jerky, jerky, fast animal. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, definitely. When, if, if you try to snap shoot on a pig that's say feeding or, you know, in a group, by the time I'm getting to full draw, that is already over. So when I shoot a pig now, I will literally draw my bow. I don't care if it's sideways. I don't care if it's, you know, quartering towards, quartering away or full frontal. I'm going to draw my bow because I can hold that bow for a minute if I wanted to. And I will wait for that perfect shot. I don't care how long it is. And then just slowly pull through, click, and then I'm going to drop that pig. Versus there's a pig, draw, shoot. Ah, you know, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's why there were so many bad shots in my past on pigs trying to get it back because you got to hurry. Like if you say you got to hurry when you're drawing your boat, we're going to have a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, for sure. Going to short draw oh. or just pluck it or yeah, mess it up one way or another. Well, with the size of the damn broadheads I shoot, I can't. Yeah, that, you was, know, it's, that I've, was actually, you're reading my mind. That was on my, my, my nerdy notes that I wrote down. Um, <laughs> so which broadhead are you using? All right, so I bounce back and forth between um, Centaur Battle Axes and Centaur Short Mags. Now, a lot of people confuse them for uh, uh, Simmons broadheads. What happened was his old man Simmons, years and years ago, when he still had the thing, he stopped making them. He got sick. I don't remember what he – I feel like I want to say cancer or something like that. So Simmons sort of stopped manufacturing. So Jim Neves over at Centaur, he loves the Simmons heads. So he called the old man. He's like, hey, you know, I'd like to build some heads. They're very similar to yours. They're glue on and so on and so forth. Single bevel. So they look very similar to Simmons, but they're they're not. Um, so I shoot the battle axe, which is two and an eighth inch wide. Um, I tend to run them about 225 grain um, total broadhead by the time I put the adapter in there for to make it screw in. Um, yeah. That thing is huge. I, I killed my bobcat. I killed a lot of pigs. I killed a lot of deer with it. But recently, I've switched over to uh, Jim's uh, short mags. They're only, I call them my little broadheads. They're like only an inch and three-quarter wide. So <laughs> I call them small. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm non-vented. I'm, I've been having an issue with deer down here. Uh, Jumping the arrow. Uh, oh, yeah. Big time. Last year, actually the year before, we had a major problem. We couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. We put tape over the venting on our broadheads. Boom. No problem. Really? Nothing jumped, nothing moved. Pigs never jumped, but the deer did really bad. So Jim actually made me non-vented short mags, which is like a, a smaller version of the battle axes. 
but uh, I'm still running those about 225, um, 225 grain. I like them being a little bit smaller because what happens is if I'm in a tree stand, I really want that pass through and being a lower poundage, even though I'm a heavier arrow, I want to know that that arrow is going to pass through so I can get a solid blood trail. If I'm on the ground though, I want to shoot the battle axe. I don't care if it passes through anything that that damn thing hits, it's going to die. And it's putting a hole in it two and an eighth inch wide plus, you know, obviously is after it cuts. So if the broadhead doesn't pass through, I don't care. It's just scrambling that thing like eggs inside of there. Is it? Did you but, say that those are single bevel? Oh uh, yeah, I shoot all single bevel. I like single bevel. Um, they're hell to sharpen though. These the the concave broadheads are complete hell to sharpen. Um, I use his sharpening wheel to do it. it takes me seconds. Oh wow! Oh, Allison's here. Guest hey, appearance. Allison. Hey, Hello. <laughs> how are you? Speak loud because he's recording. Oh. Hi, how is it going? <laughs> Say hi to the audience, Allison. What are you shooting this year? Centaur, of course, right? Um, yeah, I have a Centaur Chimera. Awesome. Yeah. You using one of those giant broadheads too? Um, you're, you're shooting. Yeah, short. I think I shoot the. You're shooting short bags this year. Short Allison's bags. got it easy. I literally set her bow up, tune it, and all she has to do is just go. <laughs> she doesn't even hang her tree stands anymore. I literally, I scout <laughs> it. I, I find the deer. I set the cameras. I tell her what time they're coming. I tune her bow for her. I hand her a bow. She just goes up and whacks something. Oh, and then she just comes home like, okay, I'm done. And I assume you're both filming this year, right? Because yeah. I've seen Allison yeah. kill a few deer on, on video. And I think, Mark, you've never killed anything on film, right? <laughs> I don't kill anything unless it's on film. Believe it or not, like <laughs> I, I debated this year about not filming anymore. I, I say it every Whoa. year and I say I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm burnt out on it. And it's not so much being burnt out on it. The algorithms are really ridiculous these days. Like, dude, our YouTube channel used to get like a hundred thousand views on it. Now, like I get like 300, like, yeah, I think, I think I offended too many people and it's just, it's driving me crazy, but I still film and I do it for me, you know, but I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit jolly when it was doing really, really well. And now that it's not doing really, really well, I'm like frustrated with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I put out some awesome films this year and yet nothing, it's you know, weird. they just, I know. They, they don't show it. I just, re- I just put out a kind of a best of hog hunting series, not a series, but yeah. one video and I have a part two coming up soon, but those get pretty good. There's just so much deer footage out there. There's so much deer content on YouTube. And I don't know if, I think even now with trad, so many people filming their trad hunts, I think it's just flooded. You know, I don't know. Well, I think the, the quality is down. You know, I don't see very many quality films going out on YouTube anymore. There's always like these short, lame ones and everything. But the thing is, just like I spent a lot of time editing. And like, I, I'm telling you, I really believe that the algorithm got screwed up because I talk smack. I talk smack in the comment section. And I think that I just get report. Here, Here's one. Like the most important videos I have ever done in the history of YouTube have been field dressing videos. Field dressing is one of the most intimidating things for new people. Like, yeah, anybody can learn how to shoot a bow. Anybody can do all this stuff. But having, excuse me, hands-on experience, field dressing has always been something hard. And a lot of people do it wrong. So I put out a hog field dressing video, a deer field dressing video. I think I did two deer field dressing videos. And uh, they did phenomenal. People thank me. We, we put them all over the place because we're very, very particular with our meat. That's an understatement. 
And you know what? Out of nowhere, YouTube has deleted them. They removed them, not Whoa. only just demonetized, but actually deleted the films. But the weird thing is, is if you look up field dressing, there's plenty of other videos still out there, old videos, new videos, everything, but ours are getting deleted. And that's what really got me upset because, like I said, you know, I don't really care about the glory of me killing a pig or the glory of killing a deer, but educating is really, really important. You could change a person's life if you teach them something. And teaching somebody field dressing is one of the most important things there is as a hunter. To delete that, I think it was a total slap in the face. That's yeah, terrible. And I'm sure, I don't know if I've seen that one, but I'm sure it was well done because you take your time, with, like you said, with the editing and filming. And it's not just something well, slapped together, you know. It's about cleanliness too, you know, yeah, like, for you, know, sure. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people would say when I, when I tell them, oh, you know, deer meat and they're like, oh, deer meat, so gamey and so gross. Well, if you're in Florida and you shot your deer and it took you four hours to find it and you drove around with it in the back of your truck for another three hours to show your neighbors, that deer is going to taste like crap. So all of the steps that we put in, like literally you, you've seen us do it, you know, oh, well, yeah. I think, well, maybe you haven't, but yeah, it's, you, you've got to be quick, real, real quick. You've got to have ice. You've got to knock that cape off of it. You've got to not get feces or urine and everything. Cool it down quick. You know, we don't have the luxury here in Florida like we did up north. You know, to, oh, it's 32 degrees. I'm right. going to let it lay overnight because I'm tired and I don't feel like getting it out of the woods. Like, we can't do that here. And that's why a lot of the meat down in Florida, when you run into certain people, doesn't taste very good. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, even in, like I'm going up to North Carolina in two weeks and it, it could be 80 degrees even up there. Um, yeah. You know, you kill a deer there, you better get out, out of the woods soon, get it field dressed. And, but yeah, especially in Florida, it's crazy. I'm just glad we're up here. You know, I, I, last year, believe it or not, last year was the first time in 10 years that I was able to let a hog or any animal hang overnight. And oh, I was wow. like, this is great. Like, we checked the temperatures, it was 30 something degrees. I'm like, this is awesome. I don't need ice tonight. Woo. <laughs> yeah, it's it gets cold up here, dude. I call yeah. this the Great North. People are like, where do you live? Oh, the Great North. Well, Florida, but <laughs> yeah, he, South totally different rough. climate from down here. Oh yeah. Even southwest Florida was still too hot, too tropical. You know, it, it was rough down there. So uh, do you have the same um are you guys do you plan for on going out opening day of archery? Every year. I, I, I wouldn't miss it if my life depended on it. We might even keep Lillian out of school for the opening day just because. Yeah. Like but, up north, but, uh, schools, a lot of times, well, it's opening day of deer season, schools either will shut or there'll just be no kids in school. They used to do it in like Vermont, New York, and Maine and Pennsylvania. Like I don't think they do it anymore. Pennsylvania? No, they don't do that there, do they? They did. Back, back in the day, they did. Yeah, I, I think just about everywhere back in the day did. Yeah, I, I ten well twenty years. I guess it's twenty years now in Iowa when I lived there. Um, no kids would be in school, and some of the teachers would call in sick too. So they should nice. close the school. But yeah, I'm living in the wrong place, as you know. Do you need to? You need to burn your. Well, you don't even own the place. So I was going to say burn no. your house down. You don't even own it. There's no point in burning it. <laughs> Yeah. Now, get the hell out of there, dude. Yeah, the we're best thing I ever it. did was move up here. I, I love it up here so much, it's not even funny. I don't even know how I wasted 10 years of my life in the tropics. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the tropics. I just didn't like the area that I was in. Yeah. That, uh, this is this is the best place I've ever lived. You know, today, like, like I said, I, I'm on strike. I'm completely on strike with business. <laughs> you know, I'm doing what I have to do. 
I literally, I worked on the machines today for a little bit, did some grading, and I, I started putting tree stands together. I busted out all my tree stands, you know, oiled all the little squeaky spots, you know, painted up the rusty spots. I mean, we're ready to rock. Nice. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to whack something on opening day. I mean, I try to do that every year, but the, the rut is still pretty screwed up over here. So it's early. I'm right? still, it's an early rut there too, like it, down here. It's, it's going on right now, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. I didn't think it would be like that. I thought it was going to be more normal here, but it's not, it's still pretty stupid up here. So I'm supposed to try to whack a buck on opening day, but the truth is, Dude, I eat this stuff. The first thing that walks by is going to die. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a pig. I don't care if it's a deer. It's going to die. But uh, my buddy kind of makes fun of me over it. He's like, yeah, you got to focus on the bucks early season. I'm like, no, nah, I got to focus on the brown early season. The trophy is the meat. The way yeah, I, 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 mean, I still want a big buck. I always want a big buck just so I can say it. But, uh, you know, there, there's not too many over here. It's tough. It's a tough hunt here. But there's so many pigs. I, I love pig hunting. If oh, I had yeah. to choose between pig hunting and deer hunting, I'd do it. I would take pigs. Yeah, I've, I've messed with people in the past. Like, we need to get some of these deer fences up. What do you mean deer fence? You know, to keep the, the deer out so I can hunt my, hunt my pigs. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. When they come over to my feeders, my stupid does are eating my corn again. <laughs> Got to get them the hell out of here. Shoo, does, get out of here. Those terrible Osceolas, get them out of here. I got a lot of birds here this year. I struck out for turkey this year. My mom shot a turkey this year. I can't believe it. My mom started hunting literally like, I don't even know how old she is. Not even sure. But uh, she just started hunting this past year. Like talk about starting late in life and she's addicted. She's bear hunting. Really? uh, My mom is bear hunting. My three foot tall mother that doesn't even understand a firearm hardly at all. Took a basic course studied up and figured it out and she's bear hunting she's been bear baiting in maine for like the past month that's so awesome yeah season open i think it was yesterday but uh but yeah she wa- she sat like 60 days straight down here whatever the length of season is could not get an osceola if her life dependent i said mom don't worry you're going to maine the turkeys are stupid in maine don't worry about it you know all the northern eastern birds Right. She gets up in the main. They're dumb. They're so dumb. She's like, I heard like ten dollars this morning. You know, here if you hear one, you're like a god. Oh, no, it's terrible. I mean, they're there. They're birds around. They're just quiet. Dude, I was, I you know, I'm a bow hunter. I'm definitely a trad bow hunter. The issue I had this year is I was just so dedicated to the trad bow that I had a bird. I had a big gobbler coming in, and he was coming quartering towards me. He's at fifty yards. 40 yards, 35 yards, 30 yards. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to happen. I get ready to draw my bow because I just figured I'd drop him at 20. And all of a sudden he just turns slowly and just keeps walking, maintained about 30, 35 yards from me. And I could take that shot. But the issue was that shot, I had just gotten my new bow the day before. And I wasn't feeling it yet. You know, it's a new bow. A bow for me is a very personal thing. It takes time to get comfortable with. And 24 hours is not enough to take a 35-yard shot on a gobbler. No. But the truth is, I, I thought he was coming closer. I really did. I I, I thought I was golden. Uh, that was the only real good opportunity I had this year on an Osceola. Yeah, they're tough for sure. I'm it was a learning I'm on my, on my pig feeders. I got some birds showing up, which is nice. I mean, obviously, you can't hunt them on a feeder, but they'll be around next spring, I hope. So we'll yeah. see. It's, they're a tough bird. You know, I don't. Th- I haven't. I haven't killed a turkey yet with a trad bow. 
I try, I try all the time, but I'm in the wrong state. You know, if I travel, like I can go out to Montana and I can whack a Miriam, like it's nothing. I mean, you know, Jim calls them in like crazy over there. I mean, it's easy. Or even, you know, Connecticut Easterns. Easterns are just such easy birds up north. They're yeah, dummies. They're, they used to walking around rich, yuppie people's yards all day. So, <laughs> yeah, my Here, sister man, lives right every- in Boston. They, have, they come right down her street like a parade. Oh, yeah. And I, I was over at, you know, I, I can't say all Osceola's are like that. I was over at a, a friend of mine, Frank Florio's place, um, somewhere south of me. It's over by Tampa. I think it's like Newport Ritchie or something. And I'm sitting there waiting for him. I had to drop off something for him. And literally the biggest gobblers I've ever seen just start walking up and down this, this like gated fence community. And like, I told him, like, Frank, you got a giant gobbler at your neighbor's house. He's like, cause come in the backyard. I come in the backyard and like, it's like a swamp inside this gated community. And he's like, yeah, the turkey and deer just walk around in here all day. There's like 50 of them. Oh and like, God. there's turkeys everywhere. So I guess it happens there too. It's just, I'm hunting hot, harder areas for him. Yeah. And just being a w, WMA around you, probably they'll get some pressure in the spring. Oh yeah. It's, it's a decent bit of pressure here. You know, it's, you know, the other thing is I'm, I'm new to state land. I know this sounds crazy. I've been spoiled my whole life with private land. That's what I do. I've always hunted private land, but living inside a WMA, like it's pretty awesome. Like we have over 20,000 acres in our backyard. That's huntable. So is it prime? No, not at all. Is it hard as hell? Absolutely. Are there a lot of bucks? No, not at all. But it's the ability to play on 20,000 acres. I've never, I've never had something so large at my fingertips. So it's it's quite intimidating though too, very very intimidating. Um, you know where to go, where not to go. So the issue that I had is we lost a lot of it. It was some of it was sold to private land this past year. Oh, go figure. The areas that were sold to private land were my areas that oh, I hunted. Geez. That sucks. So I, it's like starting over again this year, but I'm okay. We'll, we'll be fine. You know, there's twenty thousand more acres to play with. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, but, I got a quota hunt coming up with Ryan Gill in October, so looking forward to that um, up near him. I never, never done a quota hunt. You know, I was, I was thinking about putting in for one next year, uh, local around this area. People say to go for it, but I don't I mean, know. It's uh, more people in the woods. It's, it's, it's nice. I actually like that, and that area is real pretty. Well, especially compared to down here, which is swamp and nasty. But up there, it's, it's actually a little bit of rolling. I wouldn't call them hills, but. It's yeah, flat for sure. So and you got to be up in my area if you're talking about hills and stuff. You're talking up here, then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah this this whole this whole area is so different. Yeah, it doesn't look like Florida. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know what it looks like? I call this Vermont. I call this hot Vermont with a couple palm trees. <laughs> it's even the people up here are just cool as hell. You know, we're doing something different too this year. I'm actually gonna. I know it sounds crazy. I'm probably gonna do some dog running. That. Wow. uh yeah, I know. It sounds nuts. So dog runners in the South, I don't know. You probably have bad ones down there too. I don't, I don't like particularly dog hunters from what I've learned about them in the South South, which is most of the time cur dogs, meth heads, trespassing. That's the, yeah. that's the nicest way. That's what it is. Oh, I was just trying to get my, my gypsy cur out of your, your farm. You know, you guys know what you're doing. See up here, dog hunters are different. Dog hunters have uh, those really tall walkers. They're like beagles, but like tall. Mm-hmm. And they're all deer dogs. And I didn't understand it. Like when I came up to a dog area, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to deal with those idiots again. No, nah, man, they're like 
60 to 80 years old on average, the dog runners, and they're hilarious. And they know these woods like the back of their hands. So once the dogs hit the ground here, the deer are pretty hard to hunt. So if you can't beat them, join them. We're actually going to run some dogs, but I'm going to do it stupid though. So all these guys, they'll surround like a big, huge quadrant of our area. And what will happen is they let the dogs out and they try to bust them out and everybody's stationed around this whole quadrant. Yeah. So as the deer comes running through, they'll hit it with double O buck or triple up buck. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit on a trail very, very close. And I'm going to sit with a longbow and shoot them like I'm bow fishing. So I will have to snap shoot this year, which is yeah, a big no, no for me. But I'm going to do it. And the reason why I want to do it is because they told me I can't do it. That's why I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, you can't do you. that with a bow. What are you stupid? I'm like, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> Tell your friends about me. <laughs> you'll, you'll get a lot yeah, of invoices. They don't, they don't think you'll kill anything, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, it's, it's going to be awesome. But, like, I can do that shot really, really well. So I think I could pull it off. Like I said, you know. Once dog season kicks in, it gets pretty rough around here. I mean, you could sit, there's no pattern. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for when a deer is going to walk through. You just luck into it. So why not get some excitement? Listen to the dogs howling and barking and stuff. I think I did a little bit of it last year and I'm not going to lie. It was pretty awesome. It was actually really, really awesome. Yeah, it's like an adrenaline dump, you know, kind of thing. Because it wasn't, it wasn't. You can hear the dogs in the distance and yeah, it's fun. I've been on a couple of them. It's not, it's not like think. a pig hunt. See, the pig hunts, the pig hunts are rough. This yeah. is the, a deer hunt with dogs is so different than a pig hunt with dogs. But I'm also planning on doing a pig hunt with dogs this year. Um, my my buddy, uh, my buddy that I don't even know his name right now, <laughs> uh, Jared Jared McCoy. Uh, he's uh he works for Bear Archery. I'm probably going to end up heading out with him. We've talked about it. We have not set a date. That uh, I saw a film a few years back. And I thought it was like the greatest film ever. It was, uh, who's the guy that's hanging out with uh, the meat hunter guy? Clay Newcomb. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Clay Newcomb went out running hogs with dogs, but he bought his, he brought his trad bow. And literally, once it gets bait up in the swamp, he would just get up on it and thoop and just whack it with a trad bow. You know, obviously, you got to clear the you know, clear the dogs and everything, but it looked so fun. It's something I want to do really, really bad. Yeah. I've killed a few that way with, with dogs. Oh, you have? Yeah. I didn't, no kidding. It, it's see, that's, that's gotta be exciting. It is exciting. And, you know, just running up on them and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, that's when they're probably the most aggressive because they're fighting the dogs. So, you know, if yeah. they're going to fight me or the dog, they're probably, you know, I think a lot of times when people get charged, it's just they're running. The pig is just running from the dog and happens to run over someone. But, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an, an adrenaline uh, rush for sure. But the last couple of t- places I went, they won't let, they won't let you use archery equipment at all, even a compound bow. So that's kind of over at least. Down really? In Florida. Yeah. Just cause they're afraid for their dogs, you know? No kidding. Well, we're not, well, some people don't belong shooting a bow, so yeah. I can I can understand the fear that they have. But you know, I'm actually a professional, you know, so I can handle these situations. <laughs> I think what it is is like a lot. I think uh, the arrow will go half the way through the hog and it'll be sticking out, and then the dog will jump in on it and they'll get stuck. You know what I mean? Ooh, as opposed. Ooh, I never thought of that. Yeah, as opposed to that's what the, one of the guides told me. As opposed to like you actually shooting a dog on purpose, not on purpose, but you know by mistake. So, 
Yeah. Well, now I'm probably going to not be able to go. If Jared hears this, he's going to be worried about his dogs. No one, he won't hear this. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be surprised. Especially when I say I'm talking smack about certain people. That's when they really get excited. They're like, wait a minute, what? You mentioned me? All right. So while we're talking smack about people, Uh my buddy Matt, I'm not going to talk smack about it. I'm just going to mention him, but I'm not going to talk smack about him. <laughs> we, we have this ongoing joke. I talked smack about Matt in a podcast a while ago. Not even bad or anything like that, but I mentioned something, and he took it to heart, and it kind of stuck, even though it was a long time ago. Oh, so no. we just don't do that anymore. <laughs> so we talked a little bit, a bit about filming. I've, I've picked your brain in the past, like through texts and whatnot, but... Um... I know you're kind of down on filming right now, but just for the audience sake, um, you want to talk a little bit about your setup? Like, your- Yeah, I, I'm actually changing. I'm changing up a little bit this year. You know, I, I hated GoPros. I absolutely hated it, despised them, thought GoPro is the biggest piece of crap in the history of the world in all filming until they came up with image stabilization. I'm loving the new, I'm using the GoPro Hero 7 Black or whatever the heck it is. The image stabilization is amazing on it. However, it is not made to actually film the animal. Like I, I, I truly believe that. Like I still run a a big camcorder. I run the Canon XA10. And the reason why I run a Canon XA10 is Canon is dummy proof. So any idiot can pick up a cannon and learn how to use it. But yep. The thing is, is it has night vision on it. So you can see a bunch of my films. I actually use an infrared flashlight and use the night vision on my camera for night hog hunts. And uh, it's tough as hell, but uh, it's totally worth doing. But the thing is, is like the bulkiness of the camera and the lack of quality. It, you know, Canon XA10 has an image stabilization, but it is nowhere near on par of what these new GoPros are. Really? So I find myself now. Oh yeah, it's it's good, but it kills batteries really quick too. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's a gyroscope thing inside of there. So what I find myself doing right now is my main angle. So I'm using my Canon because it has optical zoom to capture the animal, capture the incoming, capture everything when it comes to the animal and even B-roll. And now I'm using my GoPro predominantly as my first person camera, you know, pointing at me, all my interviews are done on it, everything, especially hmm. because GoPro now you could hook an external mic to it. I don't like the internal mic setup on those GoPros. They're, they're terrible. They're not but running the external yeah. mic on it. Well, the thing is, is I find it that it works best as a first person, you know, a, a person's view. So if I had it on my head, the audio sounds good. But if I have it pointing at me, the audio sounds like crap on it. Mm-hmm. so i have a directional mic on top of mine now and i'm literally i use it for everything now um i plan on doing a spot in stock with the gopro like ryan does yeah. however i just can't stand the fact that when you shoot a pig at 15 yards it looks like it's 60 yards it away does. there's yeah. there's really no excitement i can't stand that yeah. so <laughs> that's why i still run the big camera um yeah. but yeah you know the other thing is too is you know a gopro is cool but it's literally a stationary object. It's set down and that's it. You know, I don't like it on the head. I don't like it on the chest. So having my big camera on say a tree arm or anything like that, or even on a tripod, the zoom and the side to side and the movement that I can get from it makes it feel like you're there versus just 
here's a camera just sitting here capturing the moment. Yeah. So movement is very, very important in my films. Um, So I spent a lot of time with that. You know, the Canon, I can hook a zoom controller to. I run my external mic on it. I run a fluid head. Like I said, those, those things give you the movement and it gives you the ease of access to the controls too, because everything is at your thumbs. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I still get picked off by animals all the time, moving, you know, trying to position my camera and stuff, but. You know, I'm not deer, down right? on the filming. What's that? Particular, in particular, deer, right? I mean, they're catching you moving, as opposed to hogs hunting. are. Hogs are no really. man, dude. I don't know what's you know. I'm a private land hunter. These hogs on on public land are ridiculous, hmm. absolutely ridiculous. I cannot get close to these things to save my life. You know, and I'm talking sitting in a tree stand, twenty feet up, scent free, wind swirls just even a tiny bit, and they're gone. You know, it's they're tough but uh i plan on filming more you know you know what it is too jim i've been doing a lot of uh different things with our youtube and i think that's part of the thing that we're we we're very successful on our youtube with hunts you know with Mm. shooting pigs shooting deer shooting alligator the thing is is i'm more than just a hunter i'm a fisherman i'm a crawdad hunter i'm a you know, blue crabbing, I'm cooking, I'm building this, I'm building that. And I want my lifestyle to be my YouTube. And I've noticed that the algorithm doesn't like that. Like, especially our springs, like I'm very proud of our, uh, our snorkeling the springs footage. You know, those films were great, mm-hmm. but it's just, they're not, they're not what YouTube wants to see. And I'm more than just a hunter. Like I said, I, I really enjoy putting up everything. Like I'm launching a new video this week, putting up the, uh, how to build crawdad traps. Mm-hmm. Dude, who would not want to know how to build crawdad traps? Well, yeah, YouTube thinks nobody wants that. to do that. I was like, oh, I, I got some hardware so... cloth. I can do this. And I've seen crawdads. That's what I'm place. saying. Like, dude, the traps are so expensive these days. You know, I found I found the circular ones on Walmart.com, believe it or not. Ready for this. And I don't work for Walmart either. I didn't like this. Amazon is getting expensive. Walmart wants to take away business from amazon so walmart is actually lower prices believe it or not on walmart.com so i found the crawdad traps that i originally had bought the manufactured ones were like anywhere from 20 to 25 dollars a piece i got on walmart.com free shipping they were like ten dollars or something like that per trap like 50 percent cheaper makes no sense because those traps should never go for that price but I found out recently when I started telling people that, that Walmart's actually taking a loss on some of their stuff just to get more people onto their website. It's I'm like, well, real. Yeah. I will take advantage of these people. <laughs> you know, I would prefer local. I'm not going to lie. I would love to yeah. buy traps local. Nobody's got them here. So I took it to a step further. I, I needed like 20 traps. So I can't spend $200 and crowd that trap. So 20 traps is pretty easy to build. I was amazed how big those those crawdads were too. I mean, that's Dude, are huge. The ones I you see here are like the size of your thumb or smaller. I mean, they're small. Like it's not a meal. <coughs> but you have to eat fifty of them, you know. But here's the thing that I didn't understand either, because when you see them small, right? Right. So there must what be bigger you're not ones. Seeing is the big guys that are out there too. I didn't understand that. Cause like even the spot that I set today, like I'm like, Oh, I just see little ones. And I put it in and all of a sudden I come back and they're just giant, you know? And so is that mostly at night uh, catching those or anytime. 
any time of day. No, um, we'll, we'll bait our traps, say, uh, I like to do it, say, afternoon, five o'clock, I'll bait them. Mm-hmm. I'll check them in the morning, empty my traps, rebate them. I'll check them at one o'clock. Then I'll come back at five o'clock, rebate them again, and then just so on and so forth. So it's five o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, one o'clock, five o'clock again. But it doesn't matter what time it is. You just you hammer them. Obviously, you have the most when you, when you let them soak overnight. Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't matter daytime, anything. Just go for it. Do you have a crawdad trap line? <laughs> Pretty much, dude. I, I, I literally it. do. I love yeah, it. it's it's awesome. That, that's what I'm saying. Like this living in this place is just amazing. Like, yeah. and the cool thing is, is the exploration. Like, uh, dude, we went we went off roading in the minivan yesterday. Like, my mother makes fun of me. She, if I say, "Hey, do you want to go for a quick ride?" She says, "We better pack a backpack, bring water, rain gear, sidearms, snacks, and emergency, you know, provisions and everything." Because like a small ride for me always turns into something. So yesterday we went to go for a small ride in the van just to check the traps, which turned into maybe we should check out that spot up a little bit further, which turned into off-roading, which turned into <laughs> clearing a, uh, a, a a clogged culvert, which turned into, oh, my God, we're super, super late. Now we've got to drive like maniacs through this off-road thing. Like I'm talking through like two feet of mud and everything with a minivan. Yeah, I've done it. I had a minivan for years, a Grand Caravan. That thing was badass. That's what I got. People wouldn't believe me, like the stuff I would take that thing through. (laughs) Trucks were getting stuck. I trust it. I said to Allison today, I said, I trust the minivan more than I trust my truck. I drove my truck through the woods today, and I'm like, no, I just, I'm not feeling it. I want to be in my, (laughs) my, uh, my little grand caravan. I love it. Yeah, I had one for many years. Now I've got a Jeep. The Jeep gets stuck more than that thing ever did. Yeah. See, the thing is, the van is too low because we flood out here pretty bad. Yeah. So Allison's like, we should update. And the truth is, I think we should just put a lift kit on the minivan. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm dead serious. Like, no, ground clearance way, is the issue with those things for sure. Well, it's yeah. not even that. What, the water getting up onto the alternator belt. Oh, and then yeah. it starts lifting. So because we drive through like two feet of water out here sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm dead, dead serious. I'm thinking about putting a lift kit on the minivan. Why not? Dude, you could fit a full sheet of plywood in it. It's like the oh, greatest I thing. Another awesome. Whoever designed it, they actually cared. They're like, hey, you know what? We should probably make this thing four by eight feet. Well, why would we do that? Just in case some dude wants to put a sheet of plywood in there. Like, yes. <laughs> and do you have the kind where the seats come out or can they fold into the into the floor? Oh, I don't have stow and go. I'm too, dude, I'm poor. <laughs> I had the stow and go. I enjoy life so nice. much. I still have just removable seats, not stow and go. Yeah, I mean, same difference. I just love the fact that you can pull that out and you just, or fold them in and you can camp. There's your, there's your tent right there. Yeah, we're, we're going to do some tent this year. You know, the game plan is, you see, the gator hunt was supposed to be our big hunt for the year. The truth is, Gator hunting is cursed for us. I'm not going to put in for tags next year, I don't think. So next year, I want to do – it's up in the air. I really want to kill a bear. You know, I'm super oh, jealous. Yeah. Mom whacked the turkey this year. Mom's hunting bear right now. I really, really want to hunt a bear because it's my style. I'm very, very good at sitting over a bait site. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. People hate it. I'm good at it. I really like it. It's I enjoy it, too. Shooting. It's patience. You know, you get to pick out the animal. I like it. So bear baiting is like, I feel like the hunt that's made for me, but I'm still, I still have this fascination with elk. 
And you know what the fascination is? Being able to shoot one animal and actually having it last a really, really long time because yeah. the size of it versus me having to whack five, six deer every year. Like that's hard to do, you know, because we eat so much of it. Yep. Have you, or so do you have plans in the work for next, next fall for, for an elk hunt? It's, I, we, we can't figure out if we're doing bear or elk, okay. you know? Yeah. I, I just don't know. You know, Could we you have, have property in Maine. Could Jim hook well, you up with that? Or? The problem is Jim is Montana, and oh, Montana yes. is lottery only. Oh. So the chance of getting lottery is not very good. You know, you could do over-the-counter Colorado, but I got a bad taste in my mouth over what a, a bad experience in Colorado. We got we got ripped off by an outfitter years and years and years ago. So I just, I don't know. You know, it's a really, really, really long drive to not know anything about what you're getting. So yeah. Bear, I know what I'm getting. You put enough bear bear bait out and you have enough time and patience, you're gonna kill a bear. You know, that's what I really like about that. I feel like I feel like it has the highest success rate too versus elk. For sure. And bears good. I like bear, dude. Oh my god, I like bear. You're delicious, yeah. When you do it right, as you know. Yeah, but like processing, once again, gutting and processing yep. and skinning and getting that thing cold. That's what really matters. But uh, yeah, that's the game plan. Something something new next year is what I want. I don't care what it is. I just want to do something new. Yep. That's what it's all about, right? New experiences. Yeah. You already live in that lifestyle anyway, but something something different out West. I've never hunted out West. Fish out there, but yeah, someday I'd like to do that well, before I get too old. See, that's why I want to do something different too, because the one thing that I truly miss, so Florida has just about everything for me, with the exception of one thing. Rainbow trout and brook trout. Yeah, that I know. I didn't know that I was addicted to trout. Like years and years and years ago, before I left Connecticut, a friend of mine, he's like, you should go trout fishing opening days tomorrow. I'm like, trout? My bait is the size of what you're trying to catch. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I'm a saltwater fisherman. You're crazy. He's like, you should come. There is nothing more exciting than a five-inch little brook trout on a dry fly. I Literally, I, a dry fly I'm so addicted to it, And I've not... I've not found anything in Florida that can give you that experience of watching a dry fly just get sucked down by a little tiny brookie. Yeah. They live. So if I go to Maine, I do. I mean, they go, you know, incredible, usually pristine waters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I could do, I could do some trout fishing in Maine. I could do some trout fishing out West. So that wasn't the real icing on the cake. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to end up bare. I really think we're going to end up bare for sure. But I feel like if we're, if we're going to go all the way up there, we might as well go to Newfoundland and just go kill a moose too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you already drove that far. We're already there. Might as well. Plenty of brook trout there too. Yeah. Uh, something different. Pronghorn doesn't thrill me. I have no interest in pronghorn. I have no interest in high mountain country shooting goats. If I want to shoot a goat, I'll go to the auction and I'll tie that bad boy up in the backyard. And after it eats on my trees, I'll shoot it. But uh, what Havelina? That's, you know, it's funny you said that. Havelina is on the list. I, yeah, I've heard, I heard they're not that great tasting though. I hear mixed reviews on them. I heard, I hear mostly that, that uh, but not good. It looks not fun, good dude. I, I feel like, yeah. You know what I really want to hunt? And this, this hunt was supposed to happen this year, but COVID screwed it all up. I was supposed to go hunting Nutria. I want to hunt a Nutria and eat a Nutria so bad, it's not even funny. We were supposed to go up to New Orleans-ish area, 
and meet up with some friends for crawdads and catfish and nutria. And oh, I, I, it's all I think about is what do they call it? Swamp beef. I think you guys have them down there, don't you? Yeah, supposedly. I've never seen one though, but you see them in some of the, the um, WMA, you know, nutria open year round or whatever. Maybe not year round, but during yeah. season. You got to get I've never some seen nasty one. water. Yeah. yeah. Get into some nasty, nasty water. You know, a lot of guys, they fly the drones to find them. Hmm. Oh, really? But yeah, nutria is just something that I've always wanted to eat. I don't know why. I think it's oh, that or Sandhill Crane. See, mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, you brought up Havelina. You know, Allison's got family in Texas and Allison's dream hunt is shooting Sandhill Crane because we have so many in Florida and we hate them. So we're not allowed to hurt them here in Florida. So we might as well go and take our aggression out on them in Texas. <laughs> They're supposed to be delicious too. <laughs> Ribeye of the sky. Yeah. Remember that but, old uh, Tread Barda? Tread Barda was shooting them out of the air. Never seen it. You know, Tread Barda, see, Tread Barda's days, when when I used to watch him when I was younger, I hated him. I absolutely hated Tread Barda. He was a snobby little Weasley punk, and I couldn't stand to even look at him. And I was like, why is he shooting that stupid bow? Uh-huh. And then out of nowhere, as I got older, I love Tread Barda. Absolutely love Me him. Too. I love the cockiness. I love this nonsense. And I love that he's shooting a trad bow. I just didn't didn't appreciate him i guess like you know like you know how your taste buds change as you get yeah, older and you right. appreciate different things tread bard is one of those as i got older i started to like him he <laughs> yeah. passed away didn't he he did pass did. away yeah he did pass a couple years ago yep i watched That's every cool. one of his videos even bought a couple of them dvds but uh yeah he's a different character <laughs> for sure but then again all trad guys are a little different yeah. Yeah, that's for damn sure. That's. Uh, I mean, look at all the weirdos definitely. we know. Good thing we're normal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty strange. <laughs> Help, we're happier. I, I, I honestly, I, my life revolves around a trad bow now. You know, it's just great. It's absolutely great. Versus, you know, I had I had a strange experience happen to me the other day. Like, mom is making some pretty awesome T-shirts, so. She made one that said something like bow hunting. Um, what was it? A subspecies of something that uh, that likes to do things the the hard way or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it says, but uh, I shared it in a couple groups. And because it wasn't actually traditional bow, I put it in a couple places that I normally don't share stuff in. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Literally every snobby little gun shooter and wheelie bow guy crawled out of the woodwork to just trash the shirt like me 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 and i'm like i said to allison i said i am so glad we shoot a traditional bow because traditional guys are just so happy we're just happy we don't care you do what you want i'll do what i want everything's fine but you get into that compound world and get into the gun world and there are some fruitcakes in there yeah it's it's, same we're talking smack told Dude, this happens every time. I talk smack really, really bad the second I get in a podcast. Every time. <laughs> That's all right, man. It's good for listeners. But yeah, I, I, I still couldn't believe it. But it was just, it's so nice being in the world of traditional and not having to deal with all that nonsense. Well, my wife, I took her to TBOF about four years ago. And she walked, it was her first time ever being there. And we met so many cool people and so many nice people. And driving back, she, you know, uh, the next day or a couple of days later, she's like, you know, almost everyone I met, I would, I would invite over for dinner the next night or that night. Like everyone was cool, laid back, 
like no attitudes, yep. no snobs, no weirdos, just, you know, no Miami style. I mean, not that everyone in Miami is bad. I'm not saying that, but it just, it was so refreshing for her to be around people like that, you know, just salt of the earth. And most it's cases. funny. You do know what happened to us, right? It was, I think it's two and a half years ago. We drove up to TBOF from Southwest Florida. I've mm-hmm. never been. No, for people that don't know, TBOF is traditional bow hunters of Florida. They do the big meet and greet thing that, dude, it's like a couple thousand people or something like that. Meeting up at Silver Springs, Florida. In the spring. So me and Allison, big one. Yeah, so me and Allison drove up there like two and a half years ago, two years ago. Had the time of our lives. We didn't even stay the whole day. We literally got up, didn't even shoot, just walked around talking to people and meeting people. And when we left, we stopped right next door. There was Earth Day going on. And we were talking about how amazing the area was. Nobody was on their cell phone. Kids playing in the park. Vendors. The most amazing vendors at this Earth Day thing. So two big events going on right next door to each other. I looked at Allison and said, this is the most amazing place I've ever seen in my entire life. When we got home, I brought Lillian to the park down in Southwest Florida. Just desperately trying to get her to play with other kids she was like three years old mm-hmm. every kid was mean and nasty to her that day i got back to us i said to allison i said i'm done with this we're selling we're moving she said, where are we moving so we're moving up to where tbof was and literally we put our house on the market sold everything we owned and drove up here because of tbof i didn't know that unbelievable yeah yeah See, but you know what i'm talking about oh now. i totally get it yeah it was the most amazing people you've ever, dude, every single person was like yeah. me and like you and like Allison yep. and not even, and what was weird was at TBOF, that was amazing. But then going to the park next door for Earth Day, every, it was community. It was family. It was friends. It was, it was amazing. And we moved, we, we sold everything, moved up here. And it was the best thing we've ever done in our entire lives, ever. You know, we went to TBOF this past year and they're like oh my god you made it again I'm like dude we moved here because of you guys we sold everything we moved here because of you and like story. I don't like what really that. like yeah like we live i live like 40 minutes from there now that's it you know it's a, it's a little bit of a drive yeah but uh best thing we ever did our school's amazing the teachers are amazing our town is amazing like i didn't understand that everything south of Tampa is a shithole. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for the people that still live down there. But, you know, I spent 10 years down there. and I made the best of it. And we had good times. We had a lot of good times. But we had a lot of good times by ourselves. Yeah. There weren't people. There weren't peers. There weren't friends. There weren't anything up here. You know, down there, we were the youngest people around. And we were the youngest people that weren't drug addicts either. Oh, my God. Up here. Ready for this? We're the old people. Me and Allison are the old parents at the school. Everybody's really? young. Oh, my oh dude, we're, we're old as dust compared to them. It's hilarious. But it's funny because when you go out to, say, lunch, breakfast, dinner, anything, nobody's on their cell phones. You know, mm-hmm. they might check it for a second. But down south, everybody was just glued to their phones. Oh, up here, totally. people are glued to the outdoors. Yeah. And which is healthier yeah. in the long run? TBOF is by far the most amazing experience I've ever had with a bow in my hand. I love that place so much. It's not even funny. Like, I, I, you know, the things. Go ahead. 
No, well, they, they do other shoots. They did the canyon shoot. Yeah, have I've you ever heard of that? that? Everyone says Dude. I would go, but it's it's a it's a haul for one day shoot for me. It's like five it hours is. or more. Canyons is literally around the corner from my house. Like you're inside, like this. I don't know. It's like rock quarry in Florida. I didn't even know this place existed. Like, what's it? Agoraphobia or, or fear of heights? When you're up high, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid of heights. Whatever the hell it is. Literally, yeah. like this whole thing. You're walking up and down cliff sides and stuff. Like in Florida, like what? I don't even know this. Was mining. It was my, a mined area, right? Is that's what it was? I think. I, I believe think so. I, I'm not 100, percent but. I believe so. We're we're shooting and there's people zip cording 200 feet above us while we're shooting. <laughs> yeah, every time somebody goes by, we go, Paul! <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, TBOF was amazing. You know what's really cool too? Like when I lived down south, everything that you wanted to do was always north. Yeah. Now, where I live now, everything that you want to do is around you. That's what's really funny. It's all just battered all over around you that's what we need but we're working on it like i said but tbof i I used to take my son i think i took him the first for the first he's 17 now be 18 in march but i took him for the first time when he was four and we were camping and it was it was in the 30s at night in march and it was yeah oh dude it's cold it it was nice it's beautiful camping like once you get the sleeping bag and put a net hat on no problem but man oh man it was just so great he had a little uh rhino bow long bow and i've got pictures of him from that trip and been back every year since although we it's been i think it's been two years since mary lucy and i have been there but we need to go back, back it up, come up we missed it um well they do two big rendezvous they had one a few weeks ago um the big with a it's a smaller shoot compared to the big one yeah, the august one is pretty hot <laughs> well, we ended up with COVID right when that happened. Oh, that was right. Jim was supposed to come down. We were supposed to shoot the tournament on Saturday oh, and wow. then Gator Hunt Sunday. And oh. uh, so we, we missed it this year, but the big one is still coming. The yeah. big one I am still pumped for. I I don't care what happens. Like I'm going. We're going this year for sure. Next year would be. It's too, yeah. We, we get a cabin. We, we do one of the big cabins there. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerome from Greywood, uh, Greywood Crafting, the Arrow guy, he came down this past uh, TBOF. It was a blast, absolute oh, yeah. blast. So I shot well. I shot really, really well in TBOF this year. Oh, it made it didn't win in a primitive class. They won't let me because I'm shooting a damn click. Actually, no. See, TBOF is different. Their rules are different there. That uh, it goes by the bow. It doesn't go by you know my tab clicker. I can shoot any class I want there. Oh, good. I think. Yeah, but uh, it was a tough shoot last year. See, last year I was silly. I had won uh, TAS, Traditional Archery Society, the state championship down mm-hmm. here with my my Centaur. The next day, somebody asked to buy it and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I talked to Jim about it, and wow. he's like, let it go, man. I'm going to build something because I wanted to drop bow weight. We were talking about dropping weight, so I let it go. So I went in TBOF. was like a couple, like next week. So I had no bow. So I shot my bow fishing bow for the tournament. I still did pretty good. I shot like, uh, I think I shot third or fourth overall out of the entire place, which is a lot of people. Yeah. A lot, huh? But uh, not, not bad for a bow fishing bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm pumped, man. I can't wait to go to that again. Yeah, we'll, have to, that we'll, we'll, we'll meet you guys over there this year because in the spring, because uh, we really need to get back there. Such a good time. 
Yeah, I'm actually trying to get down to your way again. I know it sounds crazy. So, like, everything between the keys and in our place, I don't like. But, all right. All right, I'm recording. I'm recording again. So, what were you saying about coming down, down south? Oh, yeah. I've not been down. So, one of my favorite vacations I've ever done was the keys. That uh, yeah. Back back before Lillian was born, Allison was still working. (laughs) See, Allison had a job at one point, believe it or not. Most people don't believe that. So when we first met, I've always been a free spirit and been able to just do whatever I want, whenever I want, even before the Quiver Company. The construction money, you just had freedom. So I called Allison one day. This is back when I just adventured really hard. I called Allison. She was at work. I'm like, hey, do we have any plans tonight? She goes, well, no, not really. You know, it's a Friday night. We should go to the Keys. She goes, what? I'm like, we should go to the Keys. She goes, well, where are we going to go? I said, we'll just camp. You know, we'll just hop in the car when you get out of work and we'll go camping. She goes, we don't even have a tent. I'm like, it'll be fine. We'll just stop at Walmart. We'll buy everything we need. She goes, are you serious? Because Alice and I hadn't been together for very long. She didn't understand what adventuring really was. Adventuring to me is literally, we have no clue. We're just going to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So she goes, finally, Thank okay. You. So we literally stopped at Walmart, bought everything we needed. We just hopped in and started driving. Drove all the way down to the Keys. We stopped at, uh, I feel like it was Jolly Roger Campground. I think it was Jolly Roger. Got in at like nine o'clock at night. So the camping area is like this little tiny little island thing over by the dock. So they're like, yeah, that's where you go camp and blah, 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 blah. So we get down there. There's this beautiful lush grass in just one little corner. I'm like, huh, this looks like a great place to set our tent up. So we set set our tent up slept we woke up in the morning the people knock on our tent they're like you have to move this is a test area for sod so this is all brand new sod and you're tenting on top of them gonna kill it they want to see if they saw the whole thing but we did this random trip all the way down there i got up in the morning i literally put my mask on sitting down seven o'clock in the morning after having my cup of coffee and i jump into the water and the first thing that happens is a barracuda goes right across my face you know a foot from my face freaked me the hell out we ended up going to uh what is it isla mirada which yeah. has it's it's bass pro but it's isla mirada outfitters yep. right worldwide sportsman that's what it's worldwide sportsman and they have uh what's that melville not melville who's the guy that wrote old man in the sea oh hemingway 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 yeah the guy, herman melville <laughs> i don't know what it is so hemingway hemingway's boat is in there right that big yes, the boat right. and everything right yeah and you could stand in the boat and i looked at allison i'm standing in hemingway's boat with all this beautiful woodwork and custom decking i looked at allison and said i'm gonna have a boat like this one day and she just looks at me you know like i said we hadn't been together very long you know, we just did this random vacation. I said, I'm going to have a boat like this. We got home two days later. I was standing on my 1959 Owens flagship mahogany cabin cruiser. And <laughs> two days later, and she, she just looks at me like, what? We bought this. Oh, that's serious. Like, that's, that's how our life is. Our life is very, very Great. spontaneous. You know, once Lillian was born, you know, things are a little less spontaneous, but yeah, so standing in Hemingway's boat two days later, I'm standing in my 59 cabin cruiser. This thing it. was, we bought it. Honey, what did we buy that boat for? $300 we bought the boat for. It was like a 23-foot cuddy cabin mahogany oh, boat. Yeah. What? 
it's, she goes, she goes, they were only asking $250 for the boat, but I only had $300 on me and nobody had changed. So I'm like, whatever. I gave it to him. It had the original 1959 283 Corvette engine in it. The flagship Corvette engine. Were they just trying and to get rid of it? What? what was it, the yeah, deal? you know when old these people bought the house and it came with everything. It came with this old man's boat up on a lift, no trailer, no nothing, and it was all covered up. It had some issues, of course, and they just wanted it out of the yard. That was it. Mm-hmm. It was sitting up on the lift. So three hundred bucks, and I literally dropped this thing in the water and towed it all the way home. So we towed it home got it up as we start going through this boat this old man that had it literally if he turned the key for 10 seconds he wrote the date the time and how long the boat ran i mean logged every minute logged of everything it. unreal the carburetor was sitting in a pickle so that way the carburetor was mint it was mint condition the engine had been uh been stored properly very very stored properly long story short i hooked water to this thing after getting home and on a trailer Put the carburetor on it, turn the key, and it just ran, dude. It ran like a champion. But it was a lap straight. Are you familiar with a lap straight hull? Uh uh. I don't think so. Okay, so a carval hull is the one that all of the boards are flat. Picture like a basketball court. And then in between all the joints, they would caulk it. So this is, that's a carval hull. This is a lap straight wood hull. Meaning, um, picture two boards slightly overlapping each other, and then you would caulk the boards where they overlap. So the way that it was stored, he had tarps all over it. It was good, but back of the boat ended up getting screwed up. The whole side of the boat was rotted out, and it's a wood boat. So I sat there watching a YouTube video for like five hours straight on how to build a lap straight hull boat. And I literally sat there and learned how to cut the boards and put this whole thing back together. Honey, what was it like five days later? We put the boat in the water. It's ugly. Yeah, I got to show you the pictures one day. Yeah, I'd like to see that. This, oh, this ugly boat. We put it in the water and you would you know, shake down trip. You know, let's see how it runs. We put it in the water. We're like, where are we going? Boca Grand. Dude, we steamed like three hours to Boca oh Grand for the first time. Dude, a wood boat, wood haul. We Not around boats. the bay. Boca Grand. Dude, no, we just, here we go. Steam and straight for Boca, dude. That thing. We were camping. Like I said, you know, we, we adventure hard. Honey, how long were we together back then? Not even, it was a year maybe? Um, it must have been about, about a year we were together, but she was still working. So we steamed this mahogany boat all the way to Boca Grand Pass, okay? Storm sets in. We're sleeping. Storm oh. sets in. Allison is not a boater back then. She is now, but back then... She wakes up lightning crashing every, you know, the big storms that we get. Oh, yeah. So uh, this huge storm is hitting. She's like, should we go home? Is this safe? I'm like, go home. <laughs> We're going to drive this wooden boat in the dark three hours home. What are you freaking crazy? So we had dolphins that kept messing with the boat and bumping the boat all night. It was crazy. Wow. But That's I restored. Awesome. Well, you know. Our, our life has always been very, very interesting. That's what I was talking about with our YouTube. Like, I'm more than just a hunter. Yeah. So I restored this whole boat. Like, restored it, not like pristine hot rod, but restored it as my weekend warrior Hemingway boat that I can go fishing in. Incredible. Well, it seems that like Lillian's an, an adventure, adventurous type, too. So you don't have to... It's getting better. You know, having a kid slows you down because you can't do 
dangerous stuff like that. You can't wake up one day and go buy a mahogany Hemingway bow and steam it to I'll look grand with yeah. child. You just can't do it anymore. But as she's getting older, it's getting more and more interesting. A lot of the that, kids, uh, lot of kids her age are afraid of the, like, at least down here, they're afraid of the outdoors, they're afraid of ants, they're afraid of, you know, butterfly or a uh, lizard will go by and they'll scream. Like, I just, you know, at least she's being raised outdoors in the outdoors a good portion of the time. And my son was too, and he's not afraid of that stuff. It makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, she doesn't expose him. She doesn't know the difference. You know, living out here the way we do, she just, she doesn't know. It's natural. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, big adventures are coming for sure. As she gets older, I think things are going to get better. We can go, you know, our lifestyle is a little safer than it used to be. Our lifestyle is a lot safer than it used to be. <laughs> Honey, remember? So another boating story. We're bad. We're really, like, Alice and I, it was like our third time hanging out. We're bad. Yeah. I just get drugged along. Yeah. She says I'm bad that she gets drugged along. We, I had a, a little flats boat driving through Charlotte Harbor. And it kicked up. Charlotte Harbor is a harbor, but it can still get pretty snotty, especially in a 13-foot flats boat. Oh, yeah. So we barely, every time I get in the boat, the first thing I'm done, like, she goes, where are we going? Boca Grande! Three hours. Every time. (laughs) Because it's the adventure. It's the craziness of who in their right mind would do this in this little tiny boat. We ended up on our way back. We're, We're steaming back. And it is rough. Really, really rough. And, uh, she looks at me. She goes, actually, it was on the way there that we were sinking, wasn't it? I, my, I think that was a different time. Oh, it was a different time we were sinking. This time, I, so we were sinking a different time. <laughs> this time we're going through it and I keep doing this. And I look behind me and she's like, what's going on? Keep in mind, we had just met. She goes, why do you keep looking behind you? I'm like, I want to make sure the motor's not going to break off. <laughs> she goes, what? <laughs> I had a big crack in the transom, of course. You know, every wave, I'm like, this yeah, could be the wave that the happen. motor breaks off the back of the boat. Yeesh. Yikes. Yeah, we, we sank on our first date. No. I thought it was our first date we were sinking. No, we were together for a while. Something, I don't know what it was. Something went wrong. And the live well, the live well got stuck on and it broke. So the, the live well broke and it was filling the boat up. And I'm sitting there, I'm driving the boat. And all of a sudden, you know, your feet feel nice and cool. Like, ooh, that feels nice. And it turns out it feels nice because it's full of water, the whole boat. And uh, freaked out. She's like, oh, my God, what do we do? I'm like, nothing. Bilge pump's not working right. Let me just hot wire it. You didn't even tell me. Oh, and I did. You told me to drive the boat. And oh. she kept saying, ow, She wouldn't ow. notice, probably. <laughs> I told her to drive the boat. I don't know if you hear it. I told her to drive the boat when we first met. And I kept getting electrocuted because the battery was underwater while I'm trying to hot wire the bilge pump to work. <laughs> See, these are adventures that, that's that's the keys that's why i want to go back to the keys I feel well you need like, to come down to the glades and we'll go we'll go fly fishing for tarpon and snook that's what i gotta do dude i watched that tarpon video of you with the air with the air tarpon where they're all going yeah. airborne every time you set the hook oh so my god fun. yeah that was some of the greatest footage ever oh, oh my god you. and were you using a, a a normal camcorder on a tripod in front of yes. you while you were fly fishing you yeah, did i knew it I looked at Alice, and that's what I figured, a Canon Vixie or something yeah, like exactly. that, Yeah, right? exactly. That's exactly oh. what it was. It didn't... I don't know how you pulled it off. I, I, I could slap you when I figured out, I'm like, that idiot's just sitting there holding a Vixie, isn't well, it's he? In, yeah, it's in my lap, but it actually works out really well. It's surprisingly stable. It's It, it really yeah. is, although I had one tarpon jump into the boat, and it almost knocked the camera out. 
out of the boat, but uh, out of the kayak. But other than that, it was I figured line fun. management. All, all I can think of is line management because I'm not paying attention where I'm pulling my line in and it getting wrapped around it and going, <laughs> and going right in. Yeah, yeah. that that, that yeah. could happen one day. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my life's peak was around that Keys trip. That I feel like everything was really, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like the height of my adventures were around the time that I stood on Hemingway's boat because life was so random back then, so crazy. Yeah, and, uh, and just Free, freedom, you, freedom. Then. You, you know what I, More you know what freedom. I say to myself every day. There's people that talk about the things that they want to do, and then there's people that do the things. And we're doers. We literally, literally like if we talk about something, we end up doing it. And we do it very quick too. Like we're not like we <laughs> yeah. woke up one day, so we like TBOF. You know what we should do? We should sell everything we own and move. Boom. And move. We, we, sold, we moved. We That's go. Great. I think more people would be happier if they had that attitude. Just doing, you know, that's that's one advice that I can give anybody. Just do stuff. Don't talk about it. Just go ahead and Make go it and do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark, you want to um, you want to share how people can follow you? I think oh, the stuff that I'm bad at. All right, you could find me on well, obviously YouTube. I think we're omnivores quivers on YouTube, but um, YouTube is just our our full length films. The truth is that the most fun you're going to see is on our Facebook page because we put up so many mini films, which is just omnivores, homestead, and quivers almost daily, right? In- I post every day. I, every you day. have to post every day to keep yourself relevant. Um, yeah. Instagram, I don't really like Instagram. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's a pain in the butt to upload videos to. We're active on it, but we're not like crazy active. But our Facebook is our bread and butter, you know, with all the constant antics and nonsense that we're up to. Um, and that's our website, quivers? Or is that uh, the... What, what is uh, I, think every, I think everything is omnivores, homestead, and quivers, except for... Our YouTube is just omnivores quivers, I think. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, for our, our website, it's just omnivores quivers. Oh, and our website. Allison has informed me that our website is omnivoresquivers.com because okay. I'm terrible about that too. But uh, <laughs> product-wise, we got it all. We got all the cool stuff. Oh, yeah, no and doubt. We build it, except for, you know, for those people that shoot split-finger gloves. Forget it. We ain't got shit for you, That's, new, that's <laughs> R&D, right, for that one. Yeah, you know what people ask me that I get a message at least once a week, like, "Hey man, do you happen to make gloves? Because I'd really like to shoot a glove made by you guys." I'm like, "Grow up! What's wrong with you? Go get a tab, you wuss. Cut that out." <laughs> I have Fred to say, the tabs, especially your tabs, look so much cooler. Have so much more character than my beat up, shitty looking glove. Dude, I like a glove. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I shot a glove when I first started, but. I am way better with a tab way, way better because it just takes out some of the issues. Like I shot bare fingers until I started doing nerve damage. Then I shot glove until I started losing my damn glove constantly. And then when I switched to tab, it just, it creates a better, even pressure across the string. So it takes away some of the stupidity that we cause, you know, Mm -hmm. uneven finger pressure. You can just get so many different problems with it. You know, changing over, that's a hard thing to do. We help we help people change over on a regular basis. You know, it's a struggle. I tell everybody, get a tab and blind bail or, or blank bail if you're going to do it. Because um, yeah, it will shoot different. You know, well, the tune, the tune is going to be different too, depending on how your finger pressure is. A lot of people are like, I can't shoot a tab. It doesn't shoot right. Raise your knock point three or four turns and watch what happens. You're going to shoot lights out. 
Except for you split finger guys. You split finger guys suck. <laughs> you, you make <laughs> you make split tabs. I do. It's all right. So you, you know when you put up a post and nobody reads the post. Uh huh. That same thing happens with a website. All of our tabs are built as three under. Every three single under. one we're built as three under because, like you said, they're so unique. Like, so when you check out on the website. It will ask you, do you need your tab split? Because I'll take that 300 tab and we custom split it for you every time. The reason why I don't keep split separated in stock versus three under is because if I build a purple iguana, you know, with, you know, pink hair and I cut it split and all of a sudden somebody wanted it in 300, it doesn't work, but I could always take a 300 and turn it back to split. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it says it right on the website, but people email you every day like, "Do you guys make split finger tabs?" I'm like, shit, dude. It says it right there. It says it in the first sentence, man. Come on, you're I'm killing guilty. me. Guilty as charged. Oh, so you didn't even know? I didn't know. Oh, you do not. It says it in every post too. Like every post, I'm like, <laughs> yes, we do it for split finger. I, you know why? Because I because I figure I've been shooting glove for forty years, and I'm probably never going to shoot. I actually have shot a few arrows with tab. Um, I could probably do it, but yeah, I'm just, you know, set my ways. I'm an old man. What can I tell you? Do you know why a tab is, I, I can give you a hundred reasons. Oh, I know. I know. I really could. Is better too. Three under is better. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you the number one reason why a tab is better. The number one, but you'll never, you'll, you don't understand it because you hunt down South. When you start hunting in cold weather climates, how the hell are you going to shoot with your hand with that cheesy little glove freezing it off? Especially a deer's at 50 yards. He may have pinned you, may have not. And you're sitting there like this, waiting and waiting, waiting while it's 30 degrees. Your hand is going to be freezing versus with a tab, you can wear a decent set of gloves. You can't wear anything too crazy thick. And you can put your tab over a set of winter gloves and that's still cool. shoot pretty cool. mm-hmm. So right there, that's one of the number one reasons right there, you know, the number one cheesy reason, the real number one reason is, is you will shoot cleaner. The same reason why you don't see any Olympic archer shooting a glove. You yeah. just don't. Oh, yeah. No, it, it makes total sense. No doubt. I'm just a weirdo, as we mentioned earlier. Damn kid. Split. I can't believe you shoot split. Like I said, all three of you guys. I think there's three people left in the United States that still shoot split. It was AJ Dubay. He's obsessed with letting everyone. You know how you, you, you know how a guy, how you know a person shoots split? Same reason why you know somebody's a vegan. They're going to tell you, I shoot split finger. Don't care. 20 years ago, there was no one shooting three under or tabs. No one. Yeah, it's just, it's more efficient. You know, I, I, here's the catch though. What's that? Yeah, even Allison said we started split that everybody started split because that's what we were always shown and that's it you know here's here's the issue if i was born in say montana colorado anywhere out west i'd be a split finger shooter because you're shooting further distances you know it just it works better if you're gonna consistently be say 20 to 35 yards but let's be honest dude i shoot five to 20 yards three under is way better for five to 20 yards Mm -hmm. just it just is it's always good out and if but, anyone I've taught archery, a lot of people, every one of them, I have them shooting three under and a tab, but, um, you know, a lot of people complain about sound. They're like, Oh, my bow sounds like crap because you know, yeah, it's built with a positive tiller. Welcome to the 21st century. You can have an even tiller bow now. 
you know, it's funny, even Jim from Centaur, he, he did not build even tiller bows until five, six years ago huh. when we started complaining about it. He, he didn't do much of a positive tiller. His bow was very forgiving because he, he didn't go crazy with the positive tiller versus like the old bears, the old Pearsons and everything. You shoot three under on the old bears and Pearsons. They sound like crap, mm-hmm. absolute crap because they're built for split finger. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, though, 20, 30 years ago, everybody shot split fingers. So that was correct. Yeah. Get with the 21st century. It's time, dude. Switch over. Maybe you can coach me at uh, TBOF next spring. You need a clicker tab. That's what you need. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But you probably lack the discipline, don't you? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I lack it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to kill a deer in North Carolina in two weeks, though. You'll see. And I, are you going bow or are you going gun no with a bow with a bow yeah bow? yeah because i think you, you whacked a couple with a muzzle loader last year didn't you uh one with a rifle and the year before with a muzzle loader that's what it was, last year was and one. yeah uh yeah okay I'm mark and allison thank you so much for joining me tonight that was fun do your thing good luck editing this train wreck <laughs> you're gonna be doing it for hours we only had one bathroom break so it's not too bad really Oh, you're going to let all of this nonsense go up on there? We'll see. We'll see how it sounds. Probably. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I think I only swore once. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't bad at all. Not at all. Hey, our you're not high on fumes. That's why. You know, that's actually what it is. I'm inside the house and Allison's in here. So now I like have to be on my best behavior. I can't talk about all the weird things she does. <laughs> She's just giving me this dirty look. But yeah. All right, man. I'm okay. Out. Thanks, guys. Pass my bed. Thanks, I'll Mark. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Please check out the Mangroves to Mountains YouTube channel. It's got hunting, fishing, camping, kayaking, and general outdoor information. Check it out when you get a minute. Thank you.